so if you're keeping track, I'm not sure I'm going to try to recite them or not. I'm on word five out of six, <laughs> right? Five, six words that shape our spiritual walk. Um, last week we talked about, what did we talk about last week? Worship. We talked about a life of worship last week. It's good if a pastor can remember what he actually taught on. Uh, we talked about abiding. We've talked about mission. We've talked about faith. And today I want to talk about a word that's incredibly important in our current world, community, life, heart, and everything, and that is the word peace. Um, turn, I'm going to read the Bible passage first and then come back to it again later, but turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. And I'm going to read verse 26 and then skip down to 31 and 32. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God gave and Christ God forgave you. Now, like you, I've been watching all kinds of craziness going on. Like you, I've watched social media video clips of violence and protests and outrage and injustice. And I haven't said very much publicly about it, certainly not on social media, because sometimes I feel like that just feeds the fire. But I haven't said much because, honestly, I've been taking a position of just, like, listening and trying to hear and make some observations about what's going on and see if I can figure out and kind of distill what is involved in all of the craziness that we see happening. And the word that jumped to my mind and the observation that jumped to my mind was anger. That there is anger being displayed in every possible direction from both sides of whatever argument is happening. Nobody is innocent of displaying wrath and outrage and anger and slander and backtalk and escalation and riots and burning and violence and it's everywhere. And it's and it didn't start with just one little incident. It's been feeding for a long time. Multiple things have fed it. Multiple things have carried it. It's gotten more. It's, it's grown, and it's grown, and it's grown like a monster. And as I watch it, it goes in both directions. Some of it directed in the right way toward injustice. Some of the anger is righteous, that this should not happen. That's absolutely right. Some of it is the kind of anger that Jesus would display when he turned over the tables in the temple's courts. This should not be this way. But some of it's misdirected. Some of it's lashing out. Some of it's political anger. Some of it's just hatred for the sake of good old-fashioned hatred. In Philadelphia, rioters vandalize a, the, the statue of a guy named Matthias Baldwin. You don't know who he is. He probably wasn't in your history book, but the guy was an inventor and an engine, uh, in, locomotive designer who fought slavery for 30 years. If these riots are about race, then why would you desecrate someone who fought the cause for 30 years unless you're just plain angry? Why would you burn a business that you need, can't come back to and eat the next week and now have to drive 10 miles out of town to go to a grocery store 
unless you're just plain angry and just lashing out at whatever it is, whatever perceived hurt or actual hurt or experience you've had. Like I said, some of it's just and right, and we should be angry about that. And some of it is just angry for angry's sake at whoever happens to be in the way at that moment. And so that got me to thinking, if that's the case and anger is being displayed everywhere in the face of injustice or even just because, what, would a, what is the response, what is the right response of a follower of Jesus in the middle of that? What is a Christian called to do? What are we, how are we supposed to respond? Why are, why is anybody, why are people angry? And if we are, what do we do with it? How do we respond when we want to go, yeah, that's wrong. By the way, I don't know anybody that has said that George Floyd was right to happen. On any camp, anywhere, did I see somebody justify it. But everybody's angry about it in both directions. What do we do? And what is, how does the Christian deal with and handle Anger. Anger and violence and protesting and injustice are all words of the day, right? You can't escape them right now. They're everywhere. They fill the hashtags. They fill the news reports. They fill the newspapers. They fill everything. You can't really escape it. But there is another word in the face of that that shapes our spiritual walk, and that's peace. The Hebrew word for peace is shalom, which doesn't mean just absence of conflict. It does mean that. But the Hebrew use of it has more to do with a sense of wholeness and completeness and tranquility and calm. And so if you have shalom, not only are you not in conflict, you feel a general sense of being complete. And so when Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be the children of God then he is saying the Christian response to a world that's in chaos right now is to be shalom makers. My followers will be peacemakers. The kingdom of God will be filled with shalom. So how do we do that? How do we as Christians, how do we as the body of Christ spread peace in the face of chaos? of being wronged, of being slighted, of being attacked, not just in the public square with all that's going on, but in our own lives and in our own relationships. How can we be shalom makers? Because that's what God calls us to do. And I really want to talk about two primary ways or areas that this works out, that this plays itself out, right? Because if we're going to be shalom makers, then it starts with our relationship with each other. That if we have someone who's wronged us or we've wronged them, then a Christian response to that is to seek wholeness and restoration and peace in the context of that relationship. Which means in order to do that, then what's been wronged has to be restored in some way. Pursuing peace then means forgiveness of being wronged. But it also means owning responsibility when you've been wrong, when you've done the hurting, particularly if you're aware of it, right? But if you've been wronged, your, your role is to forgive. If you've done the wrong, your role is to own it and to seek restoration of that relationship. 
And I, by, I don't mean doormat. I mean, how can we have shalom together in relationship? How can we get past this? Because the scriptures say some pretty scary stuff about forgiveness for those of us that struggle with this. Matthew 6.14 says that God will forgive you to the degree that you forgive other people. That's intense. That if you're not forgiving someone who's hurt you, then neither is God forgiving you. I don't know about you, but that makes me go, okay, I need to take inventory. If I cannot seek peace in this relationship, I don't have peace in this one. And that's incredibly important. It's so important to Jesus that in Matthew 5, 23 and 24, he actually says, before you make your sacrifice at the altar, go and restore the broken relationship. It's so serious to Jesus that if you're carrying a grudge or you have a fight or you have a challenge in a relationship between someone else, don't bother coming to worship until you've fixed it. That Jesus will not hear your prayers and will not receive your praise if you're holding anger and bitterness and malice and slander in your heart. That's how serious. Because if you've not forgiven them, God hasn't forgiven you. I don't know about you, but if I read those two passages, I can't help but go, where have I wronged somebody and who's wronged me and what am I still holding on to? How can I be someone who instead will display peace and create peace and create shalom in whatever relationship that has gone south? How can I let it go? Frozen credit aside. How can I let it go? How can I bring peace to a relationship? Pursuit of peace in the face of being wronged or being hurt or being slighted or being attacked is the call of a shalom maker, a child of God. And when two other people are being wrong or wronging each other, to be a peacemaker in the midst of that, a peace broker in the midst of that, is the call of a Christian. Not to escalate it. There's something incredibly interesting that happens when we're wronged. And we, we get angry when we're wronged. We get angry when we're attacked. We get angry when someone slanders us. We get angry when somebody posts something on social media that we don't like. But when somebody attacks us personally or they attack somebody we love, it is a perfectly human and natural response to be angry. And rightly so. But shalom means figuring out how to restore and to change that wrong. And how do I respond in anger and instead turn that towards restoration and peace? Something really interesting happens to us when we're wronged. This is some deep level stuff here. But like on some level that when somebody attacks us or hurts us, whether it's emotionally or physically or otherwise, there's a small part of us that feels fear and insecurity and feels wounded and f experiences lack of control, conscious or unconscious. Because if they've done this to me, the, the, the unconscious thought is there must be something wrong with me for them to treat me this way. You see, counselors see it all the time in abusive relationships or in rape cases where it's like, it must be my fault they did this. 
There is something that happens inside of us when we're wronged or attacked that says, I must somehow be broken or I must somehow be defective. And nothing is further from the scriptural truth. But because we feel that way, because we feel wronged, what is our response? It's to attack the thing or person who makes us feel that way. If on some level we feel less than because we've been hurt, conscious or unconscious, we seek to remove what's hurting us by attacking it. Now picture that in the context of everything that's happening. We see the injustice, we see the racism, we see the mistreatment of others, and our reaction is to attack that that's made us feel that way, especially if we feel out of control. Whether it's responsible or not, we're going to lash out at the closest thing that might make us feel like that, even if it's a statue that has nothing to do with it. Because we're hurt, and we feel insecure, and because we feel wronged, and we feel angry, and something nearby needs to pay the price and make me feel better. So it, is that a Christian response to being wronged? Of course not. Is it on some level a, a normal, human, understandable response? Absolutely. But Jesus is calling us to something beyond just reaction to what happens to us. He's calling us to more than that. You see, our relationships work like thermostats, right? You may have thermostat battles at home, 65, no, 75, right? When the temperature rises, the air conditioner kicks on and brings the temperature back down, or when it's too cold, the heat kicks on and brings the temperature back to where it's comfortable. The right range, the right temperature. When two people are in conflict with each other, and somebody lashes out and hurts somebody, and our response is revenge or to hurt back, what is the first person's response also? To hurt and lash back again. The temperature of the relationship is going up and going up and going up and continuing to escalate and continuing to escalate until what happens? Someone in the relationship has to be the thermostat that responds differently than to lash back. At some point, just because you've been hurt or attacked, it's time to, to lean into your identity in Christ and go, I'm going to pursue compassion. I'm going to pursue kindness in the context of being attacked and bring the temperature back down. It's going to escalate until somebody responds differently. And it's going to continue to grow and grow and grow until somebody says, you know what? Christ is calling me to a different response, even in the face of being wronged, even if it's rightly justified to be angry. If my response is to attack, I'm only going to invite another attack. And Christ has called us to be shalom makers. And so a peacemaker, in the midst of an escalated conflict between two people, is going to figure out how to pursue peace. It's what Paul talks about when he says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Put away bitterness and rage and malice and slander and hatred. Put it away. It's not part of the follower of Christ's life. But then in verse 32, he says, instead, be kind and compassionate. Now, I will tell you that compassion 
to respond with compassion, especially when you've been wronged, involves empathy. The ability to go, they're hurt, they're broken, they're feeling insecure right now. Let me put myself in their place and understand why they're lashing out. What's, what is it about them that has them coming at me? And what is it in me that makes me want to respond in anger? And our ability to have that level of compassionate response and empathy is, the is what gives us the power and the ability to respond differently to that because we understand where they're coming from. And so when people tell you when you see all this stuff going on, to listen, they're absolutely right. To be compassionate in the face of anger, especially where it's justified, they're absolutely right. Does that not mean, does that mean be a doormat and let them do whatever? Of course not. But it does mean we as Christians, as shalom makers, we want to know why somebody's hurt and angry so that we can bring shalom to that relationship. So we can bring peace to those circumstances. Side note, none of this is possible apart from the Holy Spirit. As anybody who struggled with any of this would understand how difficult what I'm saying is true, right? But if we're called to be peacemakers, then we have to display shalom in our relationships with each other. And if that's true, the other way that we have to be thinking about peace and how peace shapes our spiritual walk, it's internal, it's personally. Verse 26 in your anger, don't sin. He doesn't say, as a Christian, don't be angry. He says, when you're angry, don't sin. What's he talking about? When you experience anger, even right anger, don't respond in a way that is sinful, which would be all the things he lists in 31 and 32, right? So when you're angry, don't sin. But then he says this, something incredibly important. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Whoa. Okay, somebody has hurt me. I'm right to be angry. I'm to bring shalom to that before I go to bed tonight. Not five years from now, or two years from now, or next week. In fact, Jesus said, before you go to worship, make sure you've restored the relationship. Paul says, don't even wait till you go to bed. A shalom maker, a follower of God, is meant to pursue peace everywhere. Now, why would Paul say, don't let the sun go down on your anger? Why, would he, why, why is it that important? There are true studies, scientific studies, that will tell you that carrying a grudge and carrying anger and carrying bitterness and carrying all the things that Paul says let go of will affect you physically. It'll destroy you. Your heart racing all the time because you're angry. Adrenaline pumping all the time because you're angry. Anxious because you feel afraid or out of control because of the circumstances. Carrying that stuff all the time will make you physically sick. Worse than that, it'll make you emotionally sick. Carrying anger towards somebody else all the time eventually will be just as misdirected as the wrong statue. It'll be turned inward and it'll become depression the hatred outward will become directed inward remember I said there's a small part of us that thinks I must be broken or they wouldn't have hurt me or discounted me or discredited me or attacked me 
Well, if I'm broken, now I'm depressed. I'm angry that I'm not who I'm supposed to be. I'm angry that I, that I don't have control over the set of circumstances. I'm powerless. Those are all seeds of being depressed. And so not only we make peace and make shalom in our relationships with each other, forgiveness and dropping of grudges and dropping of hatred the way Paul talks about and letting it go. <laughs> Can't say that phrase anymore without thinking about Disney. Letting it go is to find shalom for ourselves. It's an attitude of heart. If I've got peace with people I've had conflict with and I've let the grudges go, then my heart is free to worship. That's why Jesus would say, go and deal with this first. Why Paul would say, don't carry the anger past that day because it changes the, our spiritual walk. One of the ways it does it, not only does it make us depressed, but when we're angry about something, what's the old phrase, kick the dog, kick the cat? When we're angry about something, it, it transfers to every relationship we have. When somebody wrongs us in, in a romantic relationship and breaks our heart and breaks up with us or betrays the relationship or hurts us in some way, the assumption is the next relationship will do the same thing. Why? Because they did. And I'm still angry about that. And my mind is still wired around that hurt and around that wrong. And so everybody else must be the same way. Because this person acted unjustly or wrong toward me, they all must do that. You see that playing out in the conversation too, right? He did that to George Floyd, all police are scum. When we carry a grudge, we carry it into every other relationship. It colors the way we relate to everybody, whether they're the ones who wronged us or not. And then what do we do? We lash out at them, even though they had nothing to do with it. Or we poison the relationship because we just don't trust them because we're not able to let go of what somebody else did to us or some way that somebody else wronged us. And so we go into the next relationship or we interact in the next relationship with our defensive guard up, ready to strike at somebody who might hurt us. Do you see how lack of peace can shape who you are spiritually. That anger, grudge, even when it's justified, hanging on to it can destroy you and every relationship you have. And Jesus has called us to be way more than that. He's called us to be shalom makers. Not just absence of conflict makers. Peace, wholeness, restora restoration, Calmness, completeness is what he's called us to in our relationship with each other and in our relationship with God. Verse 32, that's how he can say, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other as in Christ God forgave you. Paul's almost alluding back to what Jesus said, right? To the degree that we express forgiveness and peace towards somebody else, our relationship with God has forgiveness and peace. So forgive others just as Christ forgave you. And then you have to figure out how to do what he says in 31. Put aside anger, malice, rage. You have to find shalom yourself. Remember the side note. <laughs> 
None of this is like, try harder at being peaceful. Try harder at being good to other people. Okay. Because the Holy Spirit dwells in us, there's no place for slander, which is a verbal attack, by the way, or hatred or malice or any of the things described in these passages. If we call ourselves children of God and shalom makers, then Paul says, then we need to put this stuff aside and bring peace to the culture. So the question becomes, how do I, as a follower of Jesus, respond to all the chaos that's going on? By seeking shalom. When I watch a video of a street preacher preaching judgment at a bunch of rioters in Seattle, I want to yell at the guy. <laughs> I want to be angry about that. Because what, he, what they're hearing is God hates them for expressing their hurt and their emotion and their pain over whatever injustice they have, real or otherwise. And so he is saying that Jesus condemns their expression of emotion. And that's not what the scriptures say. In fact, if anything is true, God can handle our anger and our outrage and our biases and everything that we're struggling with, the conflict, the hate. One of my favorite Psalms, David 139, he, he, goes, he says, be still and know my thoughts, right? It's this peaceful prayer, it's this peaceful Psalm. He's like, God, your thoughts are too wonderful for me. You know where I go, you know where I stand up, you know where I sit down, you surround me with your presence, you are awesome. And then right in the middle of that Psalm, he goes, by the way, why haven't you taken out my enemies yet? <laughs> He's like, God, you're, you're too wonderful. You're too awesome. You're too great. You know everything I do. You know everything I say. Why haven't you taken them out? Be still and know my heart. Search my heart and see if there's any way in me that needs to be purified. It's all the same psalm. It's like, God, you're awesome. I'm angry. Search my heart. <laughs> that sounds like my prayer. I don't know about you. God, you're awesome. Why haven't you fixed this yet? Please, whatever else kind of thing. If David or any of the other psalmists can lash out at God because what God hasn't fixed yet or made right yet or brought shalom to yet and still be called one after God's own heart, then so can we. God can handle our anger if we bring it to him and let it go. <laughs> if we can seek shalom, if we can seek peace with those that have wronged us or own responsibility where we've wronged others and look at God and go, I'm angry about this. Give me peace. Search my heart and know if there's anything in me that needs to go and help me to release it. Then we can be shalom makers too. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to pray. Eric's going to play a little bit. Um, when we finish or conclude, Bill has a business announcement that needs to take care, taken care of. All right? We'll, I'll bring him up here. But if you need to, I keep saying this phrase, if you need to let it go, if you need peace, if you need shalom, if you need to go to God like David did and go, what's the deal? If you need to put down the anger and the malice and the hatred, then this altar is open for you to do that. To leave it here. To put it down. To instead respond to a world that has attacked you and made you feel insecure and wronged with peace and shalom and kindness 
and compassion. To not carry something any further than this morning that will seek to destroy you and separate you from God. The call is to leave it here. Let's pray.